we have Jennifer, a mom of two darling little girls who started disclosing SRA to her when they were ages two and four. In a crazy turn of events, the courts took the children away from her and gave her the children to her husband, who was the one that the girls were saying that was abusing them. This is a harrowing tale that you need to listen to. Listen to Jennifer's account from the time she meets the man who's to become her husband up through the current day. Now her girls are ages seven to nine. You will be astounded by what happened to her, hopefully outraged that this is happening in our judicial system, it's happening in our police stations, it's happening in CPS. We need to protect our kids, we need to get them away from these satanic families and get them into the loving arms of a mom just like Jennifer who's just out to protect her children. I am so excited, Jennifer, to have you here. Thank you for sharing your story with us tonight. Yes, thank you for having me. I feel very blessed to be on this podcast and for you to share my story for my children and I. I'm very honored. Can you start from the basics here? Do you personally have an SRA background? I do not. I didn't really know anything about it prior to uh, about five years ago. What was your husband like when you met him? Very quiet and reserved. Actually worked in a conjunction in a group project together. He was, I come a very, from a very family with a background of a lot of socializing, a very social family. He's very introverted. So I knew from right away, he was introverted, kind of awkward and shy. He was the manager of a fitness center and had a four-year degree plus a master's degree, seemed very well educated, very well-spoken seemed kind, not overly. We ended up working together at this fitness center and we secretly were dating. And so when all these people found out, I remember the the ladies being like, oh, why are you with him? He, they didn't, they were not big fans of his. He seemed nice to me. He, I will never forget on my Chris, the first Christmas that we were spent together, we were coworkers and um, he, we were not dating at this time went out to eat with the college for Christmas dinner, brought me two little crackers knowing that, oh, here you go. And it just seemed to be like it was thoughtful. Things that got each other a little Christmas gift. I think we, at that time, we knew we were starting to have feelings. It took him quite a while to ask me out when he went home for Christmas and he came back and then he asked me out. Are there we, any red know. flags now that you look back that you can see? I would say no for me. However, you talk to my family and they would say for sure. And like now looking back at these women, I, I think for me, I was in my late twenties. I had dated several, I had one long-term relationship at the beginning of my twenties. He broke my heart. He cheated on me all the time. My dad and mom had, a, they were divorced when I was growing up, but my mom was always supportive of it. She was never, never talked bad about my dad. So I don't know if my personality, like I find that I can always find the best in people. And I think maybe my relationship with men. I, I was never abused by him. My sisters would say to this time, he never acted like he loved me. I was living in this new town with him and my own confidence in myself started to grow. And I started realizing after we'd been dating for years now, several years, I was getting close to my 30th birthday. And I remember saying to him, uh, Michael, Hey, are you, what do you think about marriage here? I, I dated somebody for a long time and it didn't work out. I'm close to 30. 
I knew I wanted a children. I, I wanted a white picket fence. I wanted, I was the aunt. I, I wanted children in that perfect marriage and our relationship wasn't great. There was not a lot of sustenance to it. However, but I was okay with that. Looking back now, I wonder what was wrong. Why was I okay with that? There was a time where we did break up and I had my confidence in myself was probably at my an all-time high. And I was thinking, you know what? I want to do something else with my life. And then we did break. I broke up with him that night, uh, night. He asked me to go for a walk. And on the walk, he, and he said that he was sorry he was distant and that he would change. And it seemed like, I don't know, I guess he told me what I wanted to hear. It seemed to be a lot better. And then we got engaged. That was like in April. And then we got engaged in June and my sisters could not, they were floored. They were devastated when I got engaged to him. Again, I, I didn't realize that they were that devastated, but they shortly after getting engaged, then several months later, we found out he had kidney disease, like his father, and he seemed to go into a really big shell. Like, but I make, this is where my excuses come in. I'm a good excuse builder for him. Oh, well, he's depressed because of this. This is why he's, we're treating more into who he is. This is, you know, we're going to find a solution to this. It's going to be fixed and we'll be better. In our marriage, I looked, then we got married and we wanted to have kids right away. Uh, both of us were on the same agreement. I was pregnant within a year. I was pregnant with our first baby. Lauren was born in December. We had a dog together. I, and I remember thinking, oh, he's going to be a good father. I had been on bed rest for quite a long time during my pregnancy. He, a lot of friends would be, bring me food. He's not very nurturing at all. He made me buy my own food. We were very much, it was like married, but still separate. I learned quickly the first two days of having my baby home, I could not sleep. And I was just utterly exhausted. He wouldn't hold her, touch her. It wasn't helping. And his mom had come and stayed with me. And I didn't know his mom too much. I'd maybe met her like a total of two weeks in our relationship of seeing her maybe maximum three weeks because we lived about 10 hours apart, nine to 10 hours apart. So she was there. And I remember that I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, will you please just help me? Will you please hold her? Will you please change her? And we, he never laid a hand on me, but it can't describe the look that he had in his eyes. They were like black. He raised his fist and, and I was holding our baby. I can remember that so vividly. I was shocked. He, this is somebody that doesn't lose his cool, really. He was always kind of just one even keel. No highs, no lows. This look in his eyes, I, I never asked him again after that. There's videos of you that I can look back and watch of him with our daughter and and he seemed fine. I just, I learned to be okay. Well, I'll be the main caretaker. So shortly after his mom, he, when we first started dating, he had told me right away about like, he would never go live with his family. He never would say why, just that he never would. Now we had a child and he said, let's move to be with family. His mom had told him that's what we should do, which I'm huge into my family. So, okay. But we have to also look at my family too. We got to give my family a shot too. We were about five hours from my family at the time. And he had an interview, supposedly. I don't now looking back, I don't know if that really was, or if it was just to tell me that he did. I, I don't know what was true and what wasn't now. So we moved to where his family was, but he, he didn't have a job. He loved it. Or well, I thought he liked his job again. This is somebody that doesn't have a, when I say loved, he would be like, yeah, I like it. Or there was not, again, not a lot of emotion to much of any. His mom and I became very close. I was there with our eight month old or 10 month old baby. I found a great job. And that's why I moved right away. My dream job. It was an hour commute. And then shortly after he wasn't finding a job, 
he moved into the house with his mom and I, it was a small condo. Um, so there are two bedrooms. She had a bedroom and we had one. He would lay on the couch, just seemed depressed, ultimately depressed at that level. And it was really hard. But his mom would teach me, she'd say, well, father died when he was little. He didn't learn how to love. You have to teach him how to love. Well, it's his kidney. Or she was always making excuses. And I, and I took the, I fed those, I but those excuses and I would give them right back. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Oh gosh. And I would excuse all of his, this major depression of that he had. Again, rationalize it, making up things in my mind of why he seemed even more distant than he ever had been. But in that time we did get pregnant. Now this is something else that's strange. We very rarely had, were intimate. There wasn't a lot of intimate, and that was a problem throughout the whole relationship. He just said he never had a drive for it really. Again, I, I guess I, w- I accepted that. Okay, well, this is him. I'm okay. When we got pregnant with my second child, Chloe, it was God must have intervened because there was not a lot. And even with our first, it was a pretty sexless marriage, like maybe once or twice a year. At this time, I knew our marriage was not well. And I called in, I was driving an hour to and from work. And I called in, there was this Dr. Joy um, had a podcast and I called into her podcast and I talked about her. I thought maybe my, I thought maybe he's gay or something. That's why he doesn't want to have relationships with me. Um, he never dealt with his dad's death. What's going on? So I called into this talk show and this Dr. Joy got me on the radio and right away, she said, he's got some major, it sounds as though what you're describing, he's got some major depression. I had caught him before we were married and had children, I had tried to uh, initiate being intimate with him. He had turned me down. I went to sleep, but I had to get up to go to the bathroom. And I walked out and I saw him on a computer with uh, porn. And I, I, I wish I could go back and remember exactly. I want to say that they were cheerleaders. I would have thought in my head, I would have known if they would have been young girls. I, I can't remember. I just know he shut it off. And like, I remember being like, well, I just asked asked you, you turn me down and here you are. What is going on? Well, guys do that all the time. You know, that's here we are at his mom's house. I don't know that I knew I was pregnant yet at this time when I, 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 I never, he was very attached, not attached to his phone, but um, made it clear. This is his phone. So I do not touch his phone. I never snooped through his stuff. I never touched it. That was his. He was very adamant that that's his. So I'm going to respect his boundaries. He doesn't want me messing with his phones. I, I'm not going to, but I did one night he had fallen asleep on the couch and I picked it up and I thought maybe he's doing gay porn or something. I just, I remember I opened it up and sure enough, there was a porn site, but I, I, I shut it off immediately. And I can't, I knew it wasn't a man. I don't, I can't remember. I wish I just would have watched the video. I wish I could have known what it was other than I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, but I do remember. So I, I told this to this counselor uh, on the phone that I caught him doing this porn and when, and then I addressed it to him and I said, Hey, I, t- I, I called into the show. We're not in a good spot. I think you need some help. You need to deal with your dad's death, your, your kidney disease, your depression here, whatever's going on with not finding a job. I want you to know that I did find I, I don't ever snoop through your stuff. However, I did la- or whenever. And I, I saw that you're doing court porn. I will never forget. He didn't care about any of that. He wanted to know what I saw. He was, it was like that. Well, what'd you see? What'd you, and, and I, at the time again, I was like, well, nothing. I don't know. I just shut it off. You know, at, at that time, it wasn't a big deal, but looking back, me talking now, I very much remember 
he didn't care anything at all about anything I was saying, except for he wanted to know what I said. He ends up then his friend's father gets him a job with his company and he ends up doing a sales job. Hates the job, but hey, now it seemed that we move into a home and he was trying. So what I would equate it to, he even said like throughout our marriage, there was times where we didn't argue much. There just wasn't any sustenance there. There was no, it was two people living in and as parents and occasionally we might go out when my sisters would be like, what is he doing to show you? He loved you. When we'd go out in public, Oh, then he'd be right next to me. And I'd tell my sister, well, he'd put his hand on the small way back. He'd be right next to me in public. And, and I felt like, Ooh, that that's who he is. That's who he is. That's, that's who loves me. And I look back when we were dating and it would go out to his co co-worker parties and he'd be next to me and very social and seem like I, people would have thought that we were a great couple, but internally people knew that we weren't. So now looking back, even on that, I think, was that, uh, is this all this manipulation? Was I so stupid to think that he was ever in love with me? Was it all, uh, does he not know how to love? And it was all like this protective thing. So that if we ever, this, happened he could go back and have all these people I don't I have no idea I do know it just it's very strange and I I don't know there was a time too again we were our marriage was not doing so well but I always would pull through I would pray God whatever it needs to do whatever I need to do I went to a Christian counselor and she she told me he needs to feel more powerful he's a narcissist without a doubt introverted narcissist like publicly people wouldn't really know it but internally his family knew it. His mom would know it. His cousins would know it. So I had my dream job fell through and I was devastated, but I do believe God had a plan because had I, the next part not have happened, I don't know how I would have survived what was coming up. His cousin told me there's a job that she got hired on and job opening was available. So I ended up getting this job and he agreed to help me. I had to leave from April all the way to August, Monday through Friday. I had to leave my children and go to training uh, about three, four hours away for that duration of time. So I would see him on the weekends, knowing that when I'm done with this training, I'm going to be home full time. Our marriage, whatever was happening at that time, I'd go home and he would sleep on the couch. And it was even more strange. But again, optimistic me, I would pull with his mom. Well, he's doing this. He's having a parent all by himself. He's so stressed doing that you know, just get through. Once I get through, it's all going to be fine. Cousin was at the training with me and you make it through. He's just in a position. You you learn how to make these excuses for the behaviors that were odd. I get home from this training. I had to leave early in the morning so that my children wouldn't scream when I left them. My baby didn't really like to be held by her father. She would scream bloody murder when he hit a holder. And it was like, he resented her. And like, he was attached to the oldest dinner time, he'd feed the one child and not both. And I'd say, you have to feed them both. You can't just do that to her. Looking back again now, I, I, I knew it was odd. I, you can't, what are you, and I'd address it. I started counseling again. I knew the Christian counselor, whatever that did. When I went to that Christian counselor, I took a man who has power and control issues and I made him feel even more powerful and took a lot of mine own away. So that whatever happened with that, it was worse. Whatever I was doing, instead of him being more in a partnership, it made it worse. So I I stopped going to that Christian counselor 
and then I went to a new one. I was home in August now and my oldest, I went and worked out at the YMCA and on the way home, she's like, mama, I was really brave when you were gone. Well, I never knew she, she was four. No, at that time she was three, three. And oh, yep, you were brave. I remember the street we were on. I remember the houses we were driving by because it was just weird. Okay, yes, you were. And that was it. But then she, in the fall, started crying that I was going to die. Mommy, I don't want you to die. And I would talk about this. And my my mother-in-law and my husband would say, oh, my husband said it's because she was learning from his mom, my mother-in-law, Catherine, that Catherine's mom had died. And that's where then she was somehow thinking I would co-slept with the girls. He didn't sleep in the room ever. He slept on the couch all the time. I'd address that and be like, and he'd say, well, once the girls go to sleep in their own rooms, then I'll come sleep with you. We got Lauren to bed at age three and she was so excited. My mother-in-law would talk me into, well, cause she didn't want to sleep in the room. She wanted to sleep well. And she, you need to let her sleep in there. She needs this time to be growing up, which three is getting old understandably. And, but the baby would not, she was a year and a half. She did not, she was not ready to be away. And I had nursed both the girls and I'm so glad I had that time. And I was so bonded with my girls. If you were to say, how was he as a father with both girls? I would be sure darn well, anytime we was with those girls, I'm going to get a picture and I'm going to post on Facebook and let everybody know. And the girls know here's the times. Cause most of the time he was laying on the couch. So I didn't have my dad around. I was going to take those photos And when he snapped out of his depression, I'd be able to show the girls all these pictures of their daddy playing with them. Well, and you got to remember, too, that these SRA generational families are master manipulators. Mm -hmm. You know, you were not from an SRA background. You, You had no context for what you were seeing. Like, there's nothing that you're telling me that would scream even to me, this is SRA. Please don't hold yourself responsible for not understanding what you were seeing because there's no way you could. And, and I, I will say, so his mom and I got to be extremely, extremely close. She disclosed to me, and I really hadn't heard much about sexual abuse at all. Throughout all this, I've had to go to counseling and one of the counselor, a lot of the counselors initially asked you, have you been abused? And there was a time when I was 14, 15, 16, our neighbor at our cabin on the lake, he started doing, like he was teaching me how to drive. Now I, he, would give you root beer floats and you'd play. I, I played cribbage with him. Well, then he'd start talking about, well, your milkshakes are juggling on the boat and meaning your breast or, and it was, and then it became, it became more, he was grooming and my sister and I would go over there and I'd beg her to come with me. Cause I felt like he was my grandpa. Like I, like that's the relationship. Like I need to go see my grandpa. He'd say he's missing us. So I'd feel guilty and go over there. He did once kissed me. And that was the last time I ever went over, but that's as far as I knew anything about sexual abuse. There was nothing. His mom disclosed to me, his aunt had posted a father's day post. Um, I love my dad. And, um, he's such a good guy. I miss him in heaven. And my mother-in-law's like, Oh, and she opened up to me that her father abused her. She told me at age 12. So I now looking back, she knew very well to tell me a little bit. Again, I don't know how much is true and how much is not, but she told me she was abused from age 12, essentially till she was grown up and left the house to be with Michael's father. Michael's father had had four children by a previous marriage. His kids were grown up. They were, uh, Catherine was only five or six years older, I want to say, than the oldest sibling of Michael's. 
Um, but his dad again had passed away. He doesn't, he never remembered much of his childhood. He wouldn't tell me anything about his childhood. I knew nothing of his childhood other than a few stories of playing outside. So his mother disclosed that she was abused by her father, but she then told me that he tricked her and told her that it was only happening to her. And if she told anybody that he would abuse her siblings. So she never told anyone she always had this anger towards her mom. Her mom would never protect her. And she felt maybe her mom knew or something. But then another time though, she told me though, that she'd be like, well, I'd never let my kids around my dad. I was going to make sure I protected them. Sure to teach me that. Then she said her daughter and a niece went into a barn once with the, the grandfather. The niece came out and disclosed that he was molesting or sexually abusing them. And that's when the whole family learned supposedly learned every single one of the girls. There were three girls. The youngest is had died of alcohol poisoning, liver failure. The youngest, I never met her because she was deceased and I never met the father. Uh, Michael's father was deceased again when he was young. So, but I met all the cousins and the brothers and sisters. They're fairly close family. I just couldn't believe this family's got it all together and they all have been abused and wow. And I told my sisters and they just like, didn't really know what to think of it. None of, well, they, they weren't big, like big fans of his families. They just always said there was something off. Looking back now, his mom again told me that she didn't let the kids around her parents, but then not until my daughter disclosed, did things start falling into place? And did I start asking questions? Cause there's a lot, I started figuring out I was missing some pieces. And how old were your girls? When they started disclosing to you? Lauren was in the fall talking about me dying. It was Christmas, Christmas Eve, 2015. My ex-husband, it was a nice day. And I remember I went for a walk that night. I was seeing counseling and my husband wouldn't let me see my, I had no control over money. He was so controlling and she'd recognized this as one of the worst controlling relationships she'd seen that I needed to withdraw my money because he was not, when throughout counseling, I was asking him, to release some of his power. Can I have some of the uh, access to our finances? So I was to over Christmas, come back and withdraw my money, tell my counselor that I actually did that. That was going to be my project that I was going to do. I was going to stand up to it. So I, I didn't do it on Christmas Eve. I told him, Hey, Michael, this is not good. I, I you're not giving me any access to our money. Uh, I was supposed to take, withdraw the money. He just sat there and I said, you don't have any emotions ever. What's, and he, he told me, he's like, I don't have the emotions like other people. I never have. And that was like, whoa. And I remember I went for a walk then and I just prayed and I, he wasn't going to go back home to my family for Christmas because he needed to save his vacation for his golfing. So instead of going with his two daughters and his wife, he chose to keep that, but okay, well, he didn't stop me from going. So I went home on New Year's Eve and I saw my family and I told them, oh, I left something out. I, the July before I had gone to a oneness blessing and I was praying to God and I was meditating and um, this is kind of out there, but it was like, I saw you hear people that have died and gone to heaven. I didn't die, but I knew I saw heaven. I saw, I, I it was I saw myself in a room with my girls. We were playing London Bridges and Ring Around the Rosie. And I would just cry in this. And I, I, and I what in the heck? I couldn't, I knew then this feeling, I'm not, not going to be able to get to my kids. Some angel or something, let me see this. And then it said, though, that God is with you. And the most important thing is the love that we have 
um, that you create love. And this angel showed me like a bit of heaven. I can't explain it. And I knew it was weird. And even talking, like I didn't tell a lot of people. I told my sister that was July of 2015. Anyway, so I'm driving to New Year's Eve party to see my family and my daughter's talking about me dying. I thought maybe I'm going to have cancer. Or I'm going to get into a car wreck. Something inside me said, you have to tell no matter what people think of you, you have to tell that vision you saw that something's going to happen. You're going to be taken from your kids. You're not going to be able to get. And I told them on New Year's Eve, I was there with my cousins my and they all kind of laughed. This is crazy mumbo jumbo. We grew up Catholic that I would steer clear of anything like that. And I said, no, I'm telling you, it's more important than the, the pain of whatever might happen. Just keep me in your prayers I, that I know there's heaven. I know that love is the most important thing and that there's, I can die and know there's heaven. I snapped a photo of my nieces and my nephews and my daughters before we left. And I look at that photo and my daughter, she didn't want to leave. You see that photo and you see this girl who is now four, just barely four, cowering. She knew what it was like to be free for a week. And on the drive home and I have this photo and I, I put it on Facebook and I was like, boy, the girls really didn't want to leave. And the youngest is also miserable. She's feeding off her big sister. I mean, she mirrors everything she does, but on the drive home, Lauren started changing and my loving little girl started saying that um, she hated me and she didn't want to go back. And I, I didn't know, I just crazy. And I, she had had a um, UTI, it had many UTIs and we'd had testing done. And I went back, we got notice from the doctors. We had tested her before we left and we got a notice that she did in fact have a kidney disease or a UTI. So we started in medicine. I remember I asked the doctor specifically, can medicine make them kind of act crazy? Can, I knew it did with older adults. Can it with make little kids act crazy. He said, no, that doesn't, that's not typical for kids, but does with older adults. He'd confirm. Okay. So I, it was a Monday night or Tuesday night. Again, I'll never forget this. I was standing in my kitchen and she comes up to me, mama, I have to leave. And actually I'm not your daughter, Lauren. I'm not Lauren. I'm an alien. Oh, okay. Oh no. And she said, but you've been, your, your family has been really kind to me and it's been great to be here but it's time for me to leave. And I was, well, honey, okay. And I kind of knelt down. I was right in front of the kitchen sink. Oh, honey, you are really sweet. You know, she has, a, and I said, Hey, Lauren, you are Lauren and we can go and we can learn about aliens and the moon. She wanted to go to her moon. We can go to the library. She loved the library. Let's go to the library because she was starting to get agitated. I wouldn't let her leave. I, I didn't believe her that she was an alien. So she was starting to cry and I thought, okay, she's imaginative. I'll call my sister and tell her because she was saying it's, she's going to leave her, her family's there. So in my mind, I thought, well, I mean, let's play along with this. Okay. I'll call my sister and say that she's on her moon and tell her she's fine. She can stay here on earth with us. My sister didn't answer. So I called my sister's daughter, I answered the phone. She didn't, she was at a basketball game. And I was like, Hey, Lauren said that she's an alien and wants to come see you. Is, are you guys fine? And she's like, huh? And I said, yeah, right here. She's seen the alien. She wants to come see you. And she said, she's done. Is she, are you guys fine there on, she, she's good to stay here. And she caught on. So she's like, oh yeah, tell her she's fine. We're, 
just have her stay where she's at. She's good. So I said, yeah, they told you they're fine. You don't have to go there. You can stay here. And that really set her off. Now she knew, oh, now she talked to her cousin and yep, see, it's real. It's real. And she's leaving. And I'm like, what? So I text uh, Michael and I was like, Lauren really thinks she's an alien here. What? Let's go back in the bedroom. She started packing her stuff up. And oh, I wow. said, we're going to call because she said it was daddy coming to get her. Her daddy's, they're going to leave on his rocket ship. And I text him, hey, and I said, you know what? We'll call your daddy then. We'll te- So he's on the couch laying like he always does. We called her daddy and he answered the phone and she's, daddy, are you going to come get me? He said, yep, I'll be there in just a little bit. And I thought, well, that didn't help. What, what were you doing? I was trying to hint to him like, no, she's having this thing. Tell her she has to stay here or whatever. So she took this little backpack, packed it with and then went back to the back window of the house, the back door. We had these open back doors in the living room. Stood there looking at the, the window and was waiting for her daddy's rocket ship to come take her away. And I text him and, oh my goodness, she really thinks she's an alien. And I had to tell her, I knelt down and said, you are not an alien. And she threw a fit and I was trying to comfort her. I couldn't. So then I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to video record this. She's got such an imagination. When she graduates, I'll show her like, look, you are so imaginative. I did not know what disassociation was. I didn't know. I had no idea what was going on. I took this video, got her finally calmed down. And you can see in the video, she's clearly very tired. She's got her winter jacket on and she's crying. I seem very cold because I'm not comforting her, but I had been comforting her. But so the next day I talked with his mom about it and like, and she actually had a four-year-old checkup. So it was on Wednesday on this day is etched into my mind, January 20th, 2016. We had her four-year-old checkup and I told her doctor, her UTIs, hey, I figured out, I figured out, I got a soap, an organic soap that's not irritating the girls, the girls' privates. I think I figured it out. It's a better soap. And I think that's making them much better. But I do, my daughter did disclose some, um, acted like she was an alien and not normal, like not a normal playtime, like abnormal. And the doctor's like, oh, I have a little one. I'm telling you, there's no normal and abnormal things are, it's just nothing. That's what they do at that age. Okay. And I went home and I just was that, I was thinking about it as I was at work. I took her to daycare, both girls to daycare. And I just, maybe I didn't do enough to tell this doctor how I just don't think it was normal. So I posted it, you know, maybe it is. I'll put, I posted this video on Facebook. Anybody, my daughter thinks you're an alien. Does your kids act like this? Immediately, my sisters who are in child services called and said, get that video down. That is very disturbing. Take it off. What are you doing? Oh, but I had an aunt chime in. Hey, take her to the library. Learn about it. Somebody else like, yeah, she's got an imagination. And then I had an aunt who said, I work in child protective services and I'm got a lot of radars going off here. My daughter, my stepdaughter's a child psychologist in in the state of North Carolina. Do you care if I refer her to you just to, you know, just to check in? Oh, okay. Okay. Get off work that night, pick up the girls. We have dinner. He's laying on the couch like normal. I probably have a video of the girls dancing. Um, they, we'd play videos at musical videos um, and the girls love to dance in front of the TV, the big screen TV. And that was an ever present thing. And they had gotten into, um, they were so clingy and then just, um, but it was a wonderful night that January 20th, they were happy and laughing and okay, girls, it's time to go to bed. One more song. And I, okay, let them do one more song, one more song. 
I went back and I was putting him to bed and the baby was a year and a half and she went running out of the room and I thought, oh, let him just do one thing. He hasn't helped for months. He can help with the baby here. Lauren says, mama, and she's got these big blue eyes. Mama, don't leave me. I, she says, I just need these. I need my nightmares to stop mama. And, oh, no. and, and I knew, ah, oh, she's an, it's the alien thing. Okay. I knew what she's going to tell me about. She thinks she's an alien here. And I think I might even said, is it, it's about the aliens. And she says, but she's like terrified, just shaking and her eyes are just huge. She's like darting. And like, I, she's absolutely, utterly terrified. I've never seen my child like this. And I, I knew right away, like I, something's gravely wrong. Okay. What is it? You know, like is my daughter kind of what's going on here. She, so when I said, is it about the aliens? And she said, no, it's about my daddy and my uncle. And she named her uncle and a monster. What? And just, but she's, <laughs> she thought he was coming into the room. The baby came back in the room and she jumped and I, I could tell, I said, it's okay. He's not coming in here. He's, She's, and she's too carry, mama's too carry. She couldn't even say the word scary yet. She's, she's four and still, I mean, and, uh, and just wanted, she's like, I just needed to end mama. And it's okay, baby. You can tell me you can, I, the, the baby then is dead silent now. She's now just letting, she calmed right down and let her sister, we're all laying in this twin bed together. I'm squished against the wall and the girls both are clamoring in the door shut and I calm the it's okay you can tell mommy I got the nobody's coming in here because she <laughs> would dart back and forth to the door I'm just like what is going on here I so that's when she disclosed it's and she took her little tiny hand and she was drawing circles on the back of her hand she said uh, my daddy turns into a monster and at night night time but it's not my daddy it's in my bad dreams I want my bad dreams to stop but it's not my daddy he's coming in and I'm I'm what you what's he doing um he's touching me and I and I said where's he touching you and she was and that's where she said in my bedroom at night night time and that's all she she's like she didn't want to talk about it and she was that was it and I I just oh my goodness I was I mean what I and she wanted to get, take me out of this room, get me out of here. So both girls then were just, it was like they were claw, clawing my chest and I, like they couldn't get close enough to me that they just were absolutely terrified. And I, in order to get to my room, I had to walk in front of him and I said, you're okay. And I knew I had to calm myself down. So I got each girl and I didn't know. I thought, what if he's standing outside of the door listening to us? I was terrified. I didn't know what would he do. I walked in front of him. He didn't make a peep. He was just watching TV. So I, okay, he has no idea what's going, what just happened. Then I shut the bedroom door and I go, the girls just crying, crying, crying. And I just terrified. And I had calming them down. We laid in the bed. We had a big king size bed and I couldn't get the one. We didn't want to sleep on the edge that he's going to come in. Monsters are coming. And that night was just, I was in shock. And, but I got my two little girls here and I reached over and grabbed the phone and text my sisters said, Oh my God, he's hurting the girls. He's been touching the girls and they, but I was afraid to text it for some reason. I thought that he was going to be able to see my texts. I don't, so kind of code. They're like, what are you talking about? And they lived right next to each other. I said, can you go over 
we're all Jays. So I said, Joyce, can you go over and talk with uh, Jessica? Because I need to talk to you guys. So they call and um, I'm, I'm, the girls are sleeping. So I'm kind of whispered and quiet. And, and I tell them he's touching him. I know it. He's going in touching him at night. And they're like, well, did you, did you lead? And I'm like, lead, what do you mean? Did I lead? I don't think so. I don't know what's leading. And they're like, well, go, go approach him. Go ask him. Okay. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to go approach him. So it was January 20th, 2016 when my four-year-old disclosed. I then went out to I just, I just can't imagine. And, and like, people cannot see your face. Like you're really doing well getting through this, Jennifer. I know this is hard on you. So just take a deep breath for a second and we're going to get through this. It, it, this is really, really important because your daughters are so precious and we, we need to get this story out. You're just being so brave. So I'm going to approach him now. I didn't do it very calmly. And in fact, and I went right up to him. What are you doing to the girls? He jumped up and I said, you're hurting her. And I had, and he's like, what? Let me go talk to her. Let me talk to her. I was like, you are. And I, I didn't say hurting her. I'm sure I said, said, you're touching her at nighttime or you're touching her at nighttime, but you're a monster. And he just, that black in his eyes, that's, he it was like, he had risen up and was, t- he's about six foot, six one. And I mean, I'm tall, five ten, And he was like, he was this, and just let me go talk to her. And I, you are not talking to her. Absolutely. She's terrified of you. What are you, ta- what? He's like, well, it's not me. I'm not doing anything. It's gotta be the daycare provider's husband. She's confused. It's not me. I'm not, you know, and of course I wanted to believe him, but yet at the same time, I, okay. I said it, he's, and he grabs the phone and he starts calling. Well, remember that night on Christmas Eve, 2024, like he had said, what do I need to lawyer up and get him my, cause his friend was an attorney. He's got friends that are like doctors, attorneys, his family's all in the system. So for whatever reason, I thought he's calling his buddy, the attorney to figure out what to do. So I go back into the room and I said to my sister, he's calling an attorney. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, I don't know. He's on the phone. They're like, well, go out and talk. So no, he called his mom. His mom calmed us both down and said, you guys been under a lot of stress. Just let's deal with this in the morning. So, okay, we, we did. Okay. We're going to deal with this in the morning. The next morning. And I knew darn well, I'm not letting him around those girls all by themselves. I, I, okay. He didn't do it. I don't want to believe it's him. Okay. Maybe it is the daycare provider's husband, but I'm sure as heck not. I'm going to figure we're going to get to the bottom of this. We'll call a counselor. I called off from work. And he was super nice and like friendly, but I can't even describe, you take this for your Lauren had been since coming home from Christmas, this child that I was in so much stress. And that next morning she was back to, it was like, you took this weight off of, of her chest and she was smiling again. And like, I can't even like she now, now later I can imagine and look back and be like, I, I know why I didn't at the time at that point exactly know, but he works out. It had snowed overnight then just a tiny bit of dusting, maybe an inch. I don't know, or maybe, but he wanted to be alone with the, the girls and I was not letting him stupid me. He says, girls here, I'm going to go shovel snow sidewalk. I've got a shovel. He's like, I got a shovel and Jennifer, you need to go in the office and um, you, you said you had some work to do. I'm going to go shovel so that you can do your office. Girls can watch me while you're shoveling. That way you got a few minutes. It'll just get your stuff done. Then I'll come back. Oh, 
I was in shock. He does not shovel the sidewalk for anybody. He would on ours, but not for, he was, I've never seen him do anything for his mom. I was like, oh my gosh, he's doing, he's going to shovel the sidewalk for his mom. Wonderful. And he's thought of this so that I can get that done. That's perfect. So the girls aren't with him. My office was eight feet from the front door. And I looked at the girl, okay, okay. It's going to take me just two seconds. I just have to shoot this email off for this client that my manager, because I worked at home so he can take care of this client. Get it done. Out, doom, doom. <gasps> my heart sinks. What? I'm so stupid. What? He's standing with the girls. What? What happened? What? How's he? What? And I, I, I walk out of the office and I'm like, what the heck? I felt so stupid. And, and but she's like, mama, mama. I just told our daddy, I just told daddy how I told you how he's touching me in my pee-pee at night, nighttime. Because before she never said where. Now she said he's touching her in her pee-pee. I had kind of deduced that, but but now she literally said, and I, and he went as white as the door, just pale, pale white. And I knelt down and she was so happy and see mama, I was so brave. And I knelt down by her and her sister was right there. And I, I said, yes, you are very brave. And I looked at him and I'm just like, you know, what? And has this ever happened before? Or she said, yes, mama. And he goes, no more questions. And I, they came back to, they, it's like they went from this happy to like instantly like terrified. And I became terrified. Like, okay, I'm going to protect my kids here. I'm not going to ask any more questions. And then his mom comes in. And so the he leaves. Then I start emailing that child psychologist that my aunt just miraculously the day before had no idea based on this alien video to now what's transpired. So my mother-in-law is watching the girls. Now I can overhear her saying, oh, you watch scary movies, girls. And like, I'm like, and they're going to whatever. I mean, they don't. So Lauren did like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and I, I, I thought it was a dark movie, but she, and she also liked the show called Mine, and that was another dark one. I knew it, but I mean, they're still shows, and okay. Um, but so my mother-in-law was helping me with the girls and whatever. I So at lunchtime that day, I've got thoughts just racing through my mind. I got some questions for my mother-in-law now. And I said to Catherine, she's sitting in the lunch, hey, Catherine, you mentioned that you never let your kids around your parents all by themselves. But you also said you were gone for six months while, while Michael's father was dying in the hospital. Did, did you leave the kids with your, your parents? Did you? Well, I had no other choice. Oh, she was not happy that I was asking that and said that. Okay, so she did. You never, you told me you didn't let your kids around your parents. Okay, so here we go. They were. Okay. And also she, my daughter did a lot of strange behaviors. One of them, and this can be uncomfortable to hear, but she would masturbate a lot all the time. Like when she get nervous enough so that my family had recognized it and seen it and said something again, not that we would call and be like, alert, alert. My kids are being abused, but now the pieces all add up. Right. So his mother-in-law or my mother-in-law would minimize. Well, a lot, some kids just do that. Some kids are more sexually explorative. And in fact, she said that the girl's cousin in, in grade three was masturbating and the teacher saw it and they called child protective services. I never thought, well, what at that moment in that day, it finally clicked. Well, what did they, I wanted to know then, you know, I said, Catherine, you mentioned when your granddaughter 
was caught in third grade because I'm thinking maybe my husband was babysitting her you know maybe he was babysitting I don't so what what'd you guys do what whatever happened with that I never and she's like well we took her to the doctor that's what you do you take them to the doctor the doctor said that's completely normal behavior that's all we did oh and I knew okay she's done she doesn't want me to talk about this stuff it's uncomfortable for her okay I'm not gonna be she's very protective of her son and she doesn't want to be asked any questions so just okay just after that first disclosure then girls would be oddly afraid they'd think he was going to jump out through the wall and sometimes they'd be afraid of him but other times when he came home from work and they were excited and happy to see him the way our house was set up in the living room you could do a full circle around the kitchen and come back to the living room and all be dang that first day, Thursday afternoon, he gets back from work. His mom left and he chose to play a game where he's the green monster and I'm going to get you girls. And they were laughing. So I'm sitting there on the floor, just like about ready. I was so internally confused what to do because they just called him a monster. And now he's, he's not interacted with the girls for several months. And now day one on this you're going to play green monster, but I didn't want to make a scene. The girls were laughing and he was suddenly from weeks. He'd been laying on the couch and acting like he'd been acting like he was depressed and angry at the world. And, and I thought it was just maybe his kidneys, he's tired or something. But so now this, now you've suddenly got energy and you're going to play the green monster with the girls. I said, stop, stop. No more. No nope. girls. We're going to the library. I needed to get out of the house. I said, I'm taking the girls to the library. We get back in the car uh, I get the girls, they're in car seats. And on the way to the, the library, Lauren says she reverts, she's an alien again. And I lost my patience a little bit. And I said, you're not an alien. And cause I, I just, I was, t- I didn't sleep at all. And I, but then I caught myself and I was like, honey, why are you an alien? Why are you telling mama you're an alien? And she said, it's too, too scary, mama. I can't tell you why. And I said, you can, you can tell mommy. We're, and I knew she was, honey, we're in mommy's car. Nobody can hear you. You're completely safe. It's okay. You can tell me. And she said, because it, mommy will be, um, I'll be in heaven and there's going to be blood everywhere. And that's why she's wow. the Now I, I knew nothing of SRA, nothing in a, of any of this stuff. I'm driving and I got it. My daughter's now telling me I'm going to be dead. There's going to be blood everywhere. That's why she's scared. That's why she's nailing. She's telling me her daddy's touching her. What is this? And I, oh, I had called Child Protective Services. Um, I called the counselor and she said, call Child Protective Services. Okay, they're going to be coming here within 24 hours. We'll wait to the next day and just get it all figured out. Uh, the girls fall asleep and I just drive until they wake up. Then we go to the library. I get a hold of a child psychologist um, in town, a doctor of psychology who does play therapy with little kids. So we get back to the house. He was gone. He went bowling and I knew he bowled every Thursday night. I was wanting to believe it wasn't him. Um, but yet I still knew I'm not going to let him around the girls. I locked ourselves in the bedroom at night. I am trying to figure out what is going on, but now I, I, I was semi terrified that night too, but okay, we're going to figure this out in the morning. She's and now we've got a, a counseling session set up. It's Thursday night. We're going to go to the counseling on Monday. Lauren, I said, I don't know what to do about work. Do I go in tomorrow to the counselor? Uh, do I take off another day? She said, well, ask Lauren, ask her what she wants to do. And Lauren said, no, I can go. You can go to work, mama. I, okay, I'll, 
because I want to keep it as normal, whatever she, you know, the girls had a rough time again, falling asleep. I had to show them the doors locked. Nobody can get in here. I was very careful not to be like, get to bed. And I probably, I'm pouring over the internet at this time. I'm reading anything and everything about child sexual abuse, about family incest now. Cause I never really looked at it when his mom told me about stuff, um, not sleeping much. Sometime in the middle of the night, he came home, didn't try and bother with us. Knocks on the door in the morning to get ready for work. The girls were asleep. I let him in. There's a bathroom right there. He goes in and takes a shower. I should have woken the girls up and gotten out of there. I didn't. I They've never seen him naked. He's never around him. He's very modest as far as I know. Like I've So looking back, that was this horrible decision. I should have woken him up and gotten out of there. But they stir. The commotion kind of woke him up. So she's kind of awake a little bit and not the baby was still asleep on my left. And Lauren was on my right and the door was on the right. And he opened up the door, stark naked. Not one time have I seen him around the girls. And the day, and I, and I was like, what? and he was like, it was, I can't even, it was like, he was standing so tall and it was like his chest was puffed out and like high, I, it was like on this high. And I, I was, and she, she gasped and went under the covers and was like shaking under there. And I, and he skipped, kind of like skipped across the room to his drawer, dresser drawer. And I, I'm like, I'm whispering to him, like, what is going on here? I'm dumbfounded. Why would you do this? I can't, she just said that you're doing this and you choose of all days to now be naked in front of me. And it was like, what? and it, I was, and from that, then she lost it. She, and I call, had to call off from work. I called the daycare provider and said, Hey, I got to call off from work. I can't make it. And she, the daycare provider's like, what's going on? And I said, I can't tell you he had left then and went to work. And I said, I'm calling off again. And she was just terrified. Then again, that day, he then gets off work early. I, the girls hadn't napped for, but I finally got him down for a nap. So he now and I can sit down and we can talk. He's been over to his parent moms and his sisters talking and he has some questions for me. Says, what have you, I want to know what happened in Iowa when you were back at home with your family. Did somebody there do something to the girls? And I said, no, absolutely not. In fact, I have pictures. They slept right next to me. They were in bed with me. They would, you know, so no. He said, well, what if you're doing this, you know, just to get a divorce and go back to your family? And I was like, excuse me? I sat two feet away from, and I, I go, you're going to look at me in the eyes right now. And you're going to, you know, I have not, what, whoever's doing this, I, you know, darn well, I'm not doing it. I want you to look at me in the eyes and tell me that you think that's what I'm doing. And he didn't, he kind of was like, okay, you know, and I said, in fact, and what's going on? She's telling me there's going to be blood everywhere and I'm going to be in heaven. What is going on? Why is she saying that? This is all confusing. I can't understand why is she saying this? And I said, in fact, and CPS, now come to think of it, CPS hasn't even called us. And he said, and he jumps up, what? You called CPS? I said, well, yeah, you said it was the daycare. Well, I'm trying to find somebody did it. You said the daycare provider. And so he whips out his phone, calls his family and just leaves, storms out. Can't believe I called. And in fact, oh no, I'm sorry. Before I called child protective services as he's standing there. Cause I'm kind of starting to get a little scared. So, okay, we're going to find out together. Boop, boop, boop. And they called and I was supposed to have somebody here within 24 hours. Nobody's come, nobody's called. I reported something and- there's been a little more said and they're like, well, 
what was said. I said that there's going to, I'm going to be in heaven. There's going to be blood everywhere. I'm not sure, but they, they said, yeah, we decided not to investigate. What? Without even talking to you. Yeah. Yep. Just decided from that, that there, it was a bad dream and nothing to investigate here. Wow. Mm -hmm. So he then, so during, and they're like, well, and I was very uncomfortable. I said, well, he's kind of here. He's here. And they're like, he's there with you. I said, well, yeah, but I was trying to be transparent. I was trying to get to the bottom of it. If it's not him, I'm not trying to hide anything from him. If it's not, if it's the daycare provider, let's just figure out who it is. But then he, that's when he stormed off. Okay. If it's not him, he's acting off, doing a lot of strange things. And at that time, even I didn't say, well, yeah, he pranced around naked in front of the girls for the first time I've ever seen in my life. Two days after they disclosed, I forgot to say that. Once he left, the girls had heard some commotion. So they now wake up. My oldest now discloses more. I whipped out a recording because my sister, that's what it was. So she started talking and I said, I need somebody else to hear. I said, can you, can you care for, I, and I was at this time, I never knew what leading was, but I'm scared to death. What? Okay. I don't want to be leading. I want to make sure I'm not leading that I didn't so let's call my sisters who are the professionals here and have them talk to it. Well, my older sister didn't answer. So I got a hold of my younger sister who was actually working in an attorney's office. Had we thought to go get an attorney, have an attorney, just but hindsight, but so she's Fine. like, well, Molly, get on the phone right now and get on your recorder. And so that's exactly it. You hear her to hear, but you do hear her say, my daddy's touching my pee pee, but he's not, he's a, a zombie. Mommy, what's a zombie? I'd never heard her say the word before. Uh, some kind of scary people. We should video. I'm just at a breaking point here, but I'm like listening to my two and four-year-old knowing like the pieces are all starting to cut. Like my brain is starting to kind of de-stress and like all these pieces are starting to come together. I was hopeful that I w- maybe it's just one time. Maybe it just is one time. And I, I now had read, you don't ask your kids why they didn't tell you. You don't ask them certain questions. And I, but I couldn't help it. I said, why didn't you tell mama? I asked that to my four-year-old. Again, I, now that I've learned more about this stuff, not having a clue what she might've been facing. She says, I tried mama. I tried. And I screamed out, you could not hear me. You could not hear me, mama. Um, you were sleeping. So now I know I'm in the house. I'm it's, it's in the house. And I, and I kind of, and I caught my breath and the little four-year-old girl came up and comforted her mommy. And she said, it's okay, mama. I went up to heaven. And that was it. I knew we're getting out of this house. I don't want to be in this house. And, oh, and I had said too, I, be, that's it. Before I said, where, why didn't you tell them? I had said, was it just one time, baby? Was it just one? And she said, no, mama, it was 10, 16 times or 16, 10 times. She knew how to count to 20. So to make up a number like that, and she held up both of her hands. That's why I said, why didn't you tell them? Yeah, I, I knew at that moment. Okay. He's not, we're getting out of here, but he's already threatened to say that I'm, I can't go home. We've got this counselor. What can I do? One of my friends is a counselor. I called her. I didn't want people to know because it's shameful. So I, I thought it was shameful. Now I changed my mind on that. Good. So uh, the counselor answered, thank God. And she said, she kind of, she's like, I believe you just to hear her say that. And to say that, and she kind of like, I've heard children, young kids disclose and the things you're telling me, you've got to trust yourself. And, uh, and I said, well, I don't know what to do, where to stay. Um, and, and I said, we came up, okay, we'll stay with my mother-in-law, Catherine. And she's like, but, cause I've already told her, I've heard Catherine telling the girls, oh, you're watching scary movies. So, and she said, I have seen it in families where 
the mother-in-law, especially you've told me already that she was abused and she never told on her father. And now she might turn and protect, turn against you. You've already, you know, just be on the lookout for her to do that. Okay. So I, okay, I'll do that. I call my mother-in-law and she says, well, you can't stay here without asking him. You need to ask his permission. Oh gosh. Okay. I call and I, I say, I can't do this. I need to get out of this house. He said, no, no, you stay. I'll leave. I'll leave. And uh-uh. we live in the country. There's cornfields behind me. She's telling me there's blood everywhere. I know I need to be around somebody else with my girls. I'm not comfortable. Um, your mom said, um, I need to call you. She wouldn't let me stay without me calling you. And he's like, I'm telling you, it's not me. Somebody's really doing a number on and he didn't at this time know that I had that re- recording. So I take the girls, I pack a few things for an overnight or a couple nights, go to his mom's. And then he came over, we sat, she sat on her recliner. I sat on her right. And he sat on my right. We played go fish. I couldn't turn towards him. I couldn't look at him. I, I knew, I knew sitting there next to him. I, she was crawling all over him. Lauren jumping on him, loving on him, hugging on him. And I, I'm still like, what in the heck? What's going on? Why is she? It's like, I, I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, well, girls, come on. We're going to bed. I need to get the girls to bed. I over, I had played this mom, the video when we first, or the audio recorded when we first got there and she had called his sister. They were worried about him committing suicide. But when he came, when he came over, he seemed to be okay. Well, I overheard him and his mom talking. And now I know twice child protective numbers never came. Also, why didn't I call the police? Well, his brother was, I didn't know what position, but I knew high up in the sheriff's department. So I'm not going to call the police because it's his brother. Right. Uh, I finally, the girls, we go to bed. I could overhear him telling his mom something's wrong with, I couldn't make out what she was saying, but I knew that she had told him about the audio recording. And I went to bed that night and I didn't know if we would make it out alive. I didn't know if he would just commit a suicide and kill us all. But I knew enough that if I called the cops, if I didn't have proof, he has to be in the act of doing it. Otherwise they're going to call me just crazy. And I knew that. I finally fall asleep and I woke up like at five in the morning and I called my sister and I said, I can't, I, I'm terrified. I can't sleep. I, I'm afraid uh, of him. I told her about the, my daughter disclosing about the blood being everywhere. And she's like, well, just go to the police. And I said, well, I can't, I'm telling you, I, but I will. And if I try and leave right now, he'll, he'll not let me. I knew that. I knew he could wake up on the couch and he wouldn't let me leave. I knew. She's like, well, we'll figure something out. I'm going to call Child Protective Service in the morning. Just get, go back to sleep. You need your sleep. I went back to bed. Okay. So woke up to his mom was making scones, um, some scones in the morning. It smelled good in the house. And I had the baby in my arms. The girls were there with me in the kitchen. My sister called. Mother-in-law's Catherine's on the recliner. He was at the kitchen table. And now Lauren had gone off into the room and they hear me on the phone giving me address, my address. And I wasn't being quiet about it. I hang up the phone and in comes my mother-in-law. Who'd you just call? I said, I called, that was my sister. My sister, she says, no, it wasn't. You called Child Protective Services again. And I said, no, I didn't. My sister called and she is going to call Child Protective Services. And then she said, what are you doing? You are going to lose your kids. That's not what you do. Let your kids, let her and Michael, Lauren and Michael just work it out. You let Lauren talk with Michael. And I said, that is not, 
And she then, Lauren is over here now just shaking. And, and he goes, she liked it. She liked it. And he, he, Catherine and I both said, she, what? She did not. What? And I forget. I forgot all about that. But I remember, and she, Catherine stood up and I both said, no, she didn't. And I held, went to Lauren and I held her and I said, it's okay. And he slammed out of the house and left um, just irate. Like that's when then his, um, Catherine's just like, listen, I'm telling you don't report this. You can lose your kids. And I said, there is no such thing. You, your family didn't do so well, did they? You don't let the kids sit down with the dad. That's not what fixes it. Otherwise we wouldn't be here now. I'm getting help and we're leaving. So I grabbed the girls and we left. My sister then had called back. Brother's wife went to college in Tennessee and her college roommate is an investigator in the state of South Carolina for child sexual abuse. We're going to see if we can get a hold of her and see what she can, what, what she thinks. So I'm driving around and I knew I couldn't stay now at my mother-in-law's. So I called some friends and I was going to go stay there. She said, you're welcome to stay here. Um, stay as long as you need. Are you sure you don't want to go to your family? And I said, yeah, I just need to stay here. We've got counseling. I'd go get an attorney, Jennifer. And at this time I, I don't have money. I don't, I still just was set on, I need to get this counseling. I can do that. Okay. So I take the girls to McDonald's and I talk with this on the phone with this cop, South Carolina. She listens to me. I've never met her before. And she's very good at not telling me what to do. She said, you need to do what you need to do. And, and I was like, I, I believe my daughters. I, I, at this time, the youngest hadn't really said anything. So I believe he's been sexually abusing the girls. My friend said I could stay at her house, but I don't have anything. I only grab stuff for one night and he's at the house. Um, she's like, well, drive by the house. If he's there, then leave and just take whatever you have. If he's not grab a few things. My friend had said, okay. So I then go back to my mother-in-law's house, grab the toothpaste, toothbrushes and stuff. And I say, Catherine, I'm, I'm taking the girls. I can't stay here. His sister had come over and they're going to try and talk me into staying. And it was the oddest thing. His sister, I'm like, well, your brother's a monster. And she, that was she did not like that. And it was so, it was like, I was in the twilight zone. My sister-in-law sitting on my right and asking my mother-in-law, can she do this? I, I eventually know I need to leave my, I'm going to go to my family. I end up staying in a hotel though. I, I, I get scared and I don't want to go there. Cause I know, Nope, I'm going to make it to Monday. He stalked me, found me in the hotel. Oh, wow. He found me. I was hiding out a couple hours away and then found me from my cell phone and stalk me there. So I get in my car when I know I'm safe, um, stupid me. Yep. I tell him I'm going to my family. Why I told him I don't. I'm with my family. He files divorce. Whoa. He filed divorce. What? I'm just going to be with my family. And he did that. I mean, what the hell? Now I did not know that he filed divorce on a Sunday. He went to the judge and they granted him everything. I didn't know this. I get to my family and investigation finally starts there. On a Monday, then the police come and talk with me. On Friday, we go to a forensic examination and a forensic interview. This had been at least a week, several weeks since the girls would have been alone with him. Nothing is disclosed. In fact, the examination, what I've learned is little kids heal really fast. The doctors had said, well, nothing was found, but they were all very compliant little girls. Nothing was disclosed in the um, interview. And so I sat down there with the cops and 
the counselors and I said, well, I will never, not knowing that he had filed divorce, I'll never leave him. I'm going to be there. I'm going to just make sure the girls are always safe. And that's what I'll do. They recommend we get into therapy. So my daughters, I find a therapist, but there's not any really in my hometown. So I drive an hour and a half and I'm still, um, I take the girls there and I was not in the room. Um, I had been served divorce papers on the day before. So I'm on the phone calling an attorney and the girls are in the counseling room and the counselor comes to get me and says, she needs to file a report. There's been some disclosures. I take a deep breath. I think, okay, well, we're going to get my girls protected. Um, She filed the report. My child protective worker in my hometown said, okay, I'm having a hard time getting in touch with them. They won't, they still don't want to take the case. The police in the hometown of where we were at. Yep. Um, they did not want it, that CPS was denying it and nobody, nobody would, we couldn't get anybody. Okay. We we did schedule more therapies with the girls and, um, they went back and this time the little one was playing, doing some inappropriate things with the doll also made some inappropriate statements and that the counselor thought that indicated that both children had been sexually abused. She filed another report. We'd been putting together a case for me to stay with my family so that we could continue to protect them, but the judge denied it. And so I had to go back to court. Wow. Did he say why he denied it? No, it all happened pretty fast. Um, Just no, did not just denied. So I was actually a fugitive. We hid me and my girls in the basement of my brother's house, knowing if, because I'd been served these papers and was required to go back. My ex-husband, if Michael would have showed up at my brother's house with our local police, the local police would have had to take me even if they wouldn't have wanted to. Um, But he never showed up. So um, my mom and I drove back where the, where our, my home, where the girls and I lived. And I dropped them off at the hotel. I went to the hearing. We got the judge off because on the paperwork, his cousin is the bailiff to the judge. So his cousin had signed the paperwork. Michael's cousin? One that was abused, uh, that disclosed when supposedly alleged one that disclosed that her grandfather was abusing. So So Michael's family is very connected. They're in the sheriff's department. They're bailiffs. Um, Do you know of anybody in CPS as well that was related to him? Yep, I didn't. I wasn't for sure at this time, but now I know. His sister, his sister, his oldest sister works in CPS, but she is not in the child investigating part. She's in the child support part. So they said that was no conflict there. And lo and behold, the lead investigator was his classmate. Oh, wow. Um, So that all became apparent. Um, So we're back and I'll go to court. The magistrate is clearly not a fan of mine. They called the babysitter to the stand because the babysitter had called me while I was driving home and asked a few questions. And so they, she, they fed her exactly what to ask. They asked her if I would be coming home. And when I told her, I can't tell you what's going on. I don't know that I'll ever be coming home. She testified. And she looked at me with these sad eyes and she was telling the truth. I, I, and I looked at her and said, that's okay. You told the truth. That's what I said. But she didn't know why I left. I hadn't told her. So I am then awarded the girls. And actually the magistrate reversed a little bit of the judges. I get the house. I get the girls back. 
this magistrate, oh, I have a three month old and I can't imagine how distressed it would be to be away from my child. He gets to see them tonight and he gets them every other weekend. And I just, with the stipulation that they have their own separate bedroom, four-year-old and an 18 month old, he could be in a house all alone as long as they have a separate bedroom. And I dropped my head. My attorney said, sit up, you sit straight up. That's a good thing here. I'm telling you. Okay. So he comes to the hotel room that night and he wanted to go up to the room and I wouldn't let him. The, the hotel person actually said, no, sir, you need to step back. Cause he was demanding. I, I let those are his children and the hotel clerk could step in, recognize this is an unsafe situation. So he then back down. We went across the way to the mall. I had to let the girls play with them and he played with them. And the next day, my attorney said, you're going to go get help. You're going to go back to the police. You're going to go in person to child protection services. You have to stop those in-person visits. And the next morning, my mom's watching the girls. Lauren says to me, mommy, I wasn't scared of daddy. He was in his work clothes. So I remember I wrote that down on my notepad. He was in his work clothes. She wasn't afraid of him. Um, okay. So I drive into the town because we stayed a half hour away drove in the town, went to the sheriff's office, met with the, the um, investigator and find out that my brother-in-law is his boss. He's, I am told he's the chief deputy sheriff. So the investigator said, I can't do anything for you. You got to go right behind me as a child, child protective services. You, you just go tell them and they'll help you. I said, well, they haven't so far, but okay. So I go over to child protective services on a Friday. It was around one o'clock. Nobody's there nobody's there in the office. And I said, I would like to speak with the manager. Nope. Nobody's available. I said, I'll talk to anybody. Nope. They've all gone. Nobody's here. So I get in the car and I'm like, okay, I'll go to the police station. And nobody at the police station is willing to help it. Oh, I'll be darn detective. He's going to do it. And he's going to, he's going to hear me out. Okay. Somebody's going to investigate. So we then set it up the next day. I go in and he's helpful. We set up a lie detector test. Um, for who? Yep. For me, for me. Oh, yep. So how did this get turned around on you at this point? I, at, at that time I didn't know. Okay. I have to do a lie detector test too, because you can't ask a husband to do it if you're not going to also do it. Okay. I'm, I'm elated to do this. And let me tell you too, at this time, at least one weekend had happened with the girls, the terror of having he came to the house and got the girls and seeing them drive off. I didn't know if he'd ever come back with them. I didn't know. I let him, I let him go with the girls, but I knew he was going to stay with his moms. Everyone said, he's not going to hurt them. They're going to be fine. And every weekend they'd come home and they'd, I couldn't, they'd be screaming in pain in their privates. Um, yeah. And they disclosed more and I'd call and try to get help. Now, an investigation finally was taking place with child protective services, but the girl, the, the girl that was there and asked my daughter in her bedroom, in her bedroom. And my daughter didn't say anything. So that was it. He was crazy. I, I knew it's going to sound strange. I, I somehow he was hearing my conversations in my house. He had this big, his dad's or whatever, this big oversized rocking chair, leather chair. It was in the room above the garage or playroom for the girls. And I just hated that. So I took it down and put it in the garage. And I was telling my sister, I, I put that leather chair in the garage. A half hour later, he called me and was like, hey, that chair that's in the garage, I'm going to come over and get it. She had told me to get rid of it. So, and I said, well, how do you even know the chair's in the, the garage? Either you came in and looked in my garage 
or you're hearing me somehow. What in the heck? It was so strange. And it was almost like whatever he did to the girls, if they would come home, it was like they'd come home begging for help, screaming in pain. But then I'd grab, oh, I'm going to grab the phone now. And then you start recording. Well, tell me what you just said. It, it was just, if I look at those recordings, it's very, it's, it's horrible. It's just, then my sister is there for a weekend after, after they'd been away. By this time, it's getting close to April now. Every, they've had maybe every other weekend, I don't know. And I believe it's still happening. I believe it's, ha- oh, and my daughter's in therapy with that counselor, the doctor of psychologist, uh, that the play therapist, and she's disclosing to her. And so we filed a child protective order, but she got sick. So I had now, I, so remember the detective set up a lie detector t- test. Right. That was before the, that was on leap. It was on February 29th, leap day. And I am driving to the Bureau of Criminal Investigations, um, knowing like just, oh, everyone's going to know I'm telling the truth. I was so happy because that's going to be it. It's going to save my kids. And I step in that building right away. The guy, the investigator starts hammering in on me. I bet you were up all night studying, weren't you? Learning all about the lie detector test. And I, I wasn't. And I said, no, nope, I'm not. I wasn't. Huh. And he says, oh, right. And he's like, well, so he, he had to hand me a book so I could read about it. So you got to read about it a little bit. And ooh, gosh, you got to, I got to come up with five or a couple questions. Ugh. My personality, I knew this is going to be tough because if he says, did you tell your kids what to say? I told him to tell. So if they say, did you tell your kids what to say? And that's a great question for me. I did not tell them what to say, but I did tell them what to say. I told them to say, if it's the truth, say it. So it's got to be, did you tell your, did you make up that your ex-husband was hurting his children? No, that's an easy, that's a clear no for me. So I come up with my five questions. And at this time, I, one of the questions, do you feel that the child protective services and things are against you? Yes. We go in there and he looks at my five questions and my attorney had told me not to be interrogated, that you're going to do your lie detector test. Then if they try and ask you questions afterwards, you are to say, sorry, no questions, get up and leave. I knew that going in. So I'm prepared to not be interrogated, but I never got hooked up to any machine. So I thought what the chair itself has some wires on it. Well, maybe that this is it. This is what you do. That must be how maybe in the movies they, I thought I'd be in wires. Well, that you must not. I recognize this was like an hour and a half of questioning this guy not being friend. And I start getting really uncomfortable. And I, I said to the guy and he could gather that. And I, and I was like, I'm really uncomfortable here. And I'm feeling like, do you know my, do you know my brother-in-law? Do you, have you guys I mean, if he's the boss of the investigator and they send people, do you work together? And he, that made him uncomfortable. He got up and left and he came back and then he tells me all about their careers. And yep, they just met, they worked, they sat next to each other at the ball. But if you're not going to trust me, this isn't going to work. And he's, anyways, let's get to this. Uh, have you had your Miranda rights read to you? And I'm like, well, I've been going in and talking with the detective. You have or you have it. You have or you have it. And well, ooh, I, okay, no. I don't think so. And then he, you, he reads me my Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. And, and then it's like, I, then it's like thing kind of came to a point, like everything stopped. And I don't, I felt like I was going to black out. Like, oh my gosh, I'm being read like in the movies, my Miranda rights. What is going on here? Then he, 
being read the Miranda rights, he slides a piece of paper and it says you are accused of sexually abusing your kids. Wow. That's, exactly. That's what I, and I'm like, what is this? Well, I can't accuse him of sexually abusing your kids. If I'm not going to do the same to you, you both have to do this. And I said, I, this is not what I at all, what I was told was happening. I am not comfortable. I want to call my attorney. So I called my attorney right there and they talked and the investigator talked my attorney into making me do this test. My attorney said, I need to talk with my client confidentiality. So the guy had to leave and he said, get out of there. What are you still doing there? You were supposed to call me. I told you not to do the interrogation. I said, they've never even hooked me up for the test now. And he's like, get up and walk out of there. So I go in the hallway and the detective was there, the Bureau of Criminal, the guy doing the investigation was there, the guy that was just in the interrogation room and they brought the supervisor. So here I am in this room with these pretty intimidating figures in the hallway at a Bureau of Criminal Investigation. And they're saying, if you're not guilty, why aren't you going in there and taking the test? Huh? Do you have something to hide? And I was like, no. So I'll be darned. I think, you know what? I'm going to call that cop. I call her right there in the hall and said to her, Hey, I'm here in the hall. My attorney said not to take this lie detector test. These guys are telling me I'm guilty. If I don't take it, what do I do? And she's like, are you telling the truth? They said, yeah. She goes, you tell those boys you'll take it. So I said, okay, guys, let's do it. Who cares if my attorney said not to put me in there. Let's do this. Nope. Now they're not going to let me because my attorney's not present. What? You sat here for 10 minutes telling me to go in there. If I'm not guilty, I should go in and take my lie detector test. Now I call a cop and she says to take it. And now you won't let me. Well, uh-huh. so that's, I, I get in there and that, then I end up, that was the last of my attorney. I got a new attorney who's a friend. Um, that's where the mistake starts, but he was young and he gets eaten alive. So we call in another attorney. That's when the, my daughter was disclosing. We filed two child protective orders. I call my sister-in-law and beg her mother-in-law was there that mommy, she said that Boga walked out. Cause I, Hey, how in the world is he hurting these kids? There's no way their grandma's there. So is she lying to me? Is she, there's something wrong with her. I'm starting to think maybe there is something wrong with her. I mean, baby, you're, you're in the room with Boga. And she said, no, no, that when she, when, when she falls, falls asleep, then they, he's taken her in the living room and, and, and she walked out at, and yelled at him that she's going to call 911. How does the four-year-old know what 911 is? How does she know how to make that up? I believe her. I believe that my mother-in-law walked out on them and maybe she did yell at him. I do believe that. And she wasn't willing to turn her son in. So we gave the girls whistles. So if then, if, if you'd get them in the middle of the night, they could whistle and wake up their grandma and, and, it would help them. Their grandma was not there. It was the last weekend I'd ever have them. The, the last, it was Easter weekend of 25th, 2016. I'd given the girls the whistle. She wasn't there. What? I had just told the girls to whistle and I'm sending them in a house all alone with him. So I then get irate with him. He pulls out it and he records me. I had to drive away because there's nothing I can do. I would have been in contempt. I, people said, why didn't you leave with your kids? That thought crossed my mind, but we'd be hunted. His, they'd find us. I knew they would. Where are we going to hide? What am I, I'd have to, I, I knew I'd be, I'd looked up stories. I'd seen people are caught, but I always knew God's there and God's going to get us through this. Um, I know the truth and something's going to come along. I just know it. This is where 
Oh, it was after the lie detector test. A few days later, the detective calls and he says, hey, now at this time, now, now he's out. Now I realize, wait a minute, I was being a terror. I was never, there was no investigation. They never looked at his cell phone. He got a new cell phone. It, they never looked at anything. He wiped our iPad out. I now realize this is this something's so crazy. That counselor that I had originally called, she calls me and says, because the detective had called and I, I'm at work and I'm telling all, hey, you could chat on work. And I was like, oh my gosh, guess what? The detective just called and he lost my file. Apparently his car, someone broke into his car and my file has been stolen. So I've been interrogated. They won't investigate really at all. And now they've lost my file. And she's like, you're going to go to Walmart and you're going to get a track phone. And I need you to get outside and I need you to call me. This is going to sound crazy. You can't tell anybody about this, but I believe you're in grave danger. And I'm like, what? Okay, I'll go get this cell phone. And that's when it was kind of lightly raining. I had the girls inside sleeping. She told me about SRA. She told me, I believe that you could be in danger. She's like, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm a counselor and I was in this group of counselors in this big city. And one of them was well-known, one of the top counselors in the United States for satanic ritual abuse. And she said, I thought, she's like, looking back at all that, I, I thought she was kind of crazy and it was a made up thing and people just made up stuff. But hearing your story and seeing what you're going through, I believe God, she's, she also said, I think God made me see this and to be in this time for now. And she, she had called this counselor friend and they had been talking about my case. And the, before my file was ever stolen, this counselor had warned her that the area that I'm in, she has some suspects that that's occurring in that location and told her they'll lose my file. She kind of told her some things that would be happening. And so once those things happen, then she could no longer say, okay, I, I need to call um, Jennifer. And again, I, and I'm kind of like, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess she did say it was her uncle, her daddy. And, oh, I mean, I don't know if I Googled stuff that night. I don't think I really did, but that next morning, um, no. So my daughters were watching a movie. That's right. They weren't asleep all the way. So I went inside, I get them to sleep. And I said, honey, can mommy ask you a question? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and we were laying in bed. They were in bed. She was too afraid to lay in her own bed because he had told her he was going to come through the window. I had to go through and lock all the windows and the counselor had told, cause I couldn't get her to sleep at night. So we, I go through each window at nighttime and show her, look, it's closed. It's closed. And one time he had the key to our house and I was putting her in bed and the window in her room was unlocked. So he had unlocked. Um, I believe he did. I mean, the stuff she was disclosing was, she said he held a knife to her dolly. Um, and then if she told he, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what he told her, but he, but that he held a sharp, sharp, sharp knife to her dolly. All these things. Now I said to her, maybe was there more than just daddy? She was terrified. Um, I, we can't talk about that, mama. We can't talk about it. I said, huh? Yes, we can. We're fine. He, but she was like kind of looking around the, the room, like thought that he could hear. So we crawled under the bed, under the bed sheet. And that's when she told me that they had, she had been tied up to a chair. She told me that she, it was very scary that she was tied up to a chair, essentially naked, not quite so eloquently here, but um 
the rope and it hurt really bad and they would pull her hair and it was so scary she couldn't that there were more than just her daddy and I am remaining calm laying next to her like what in the world oh I mean I knew nothing of this stuff um these people even now saying this out loud like these people they seem like outside of her dad but the uncle that she said it was in their basement I I still I don't I don't understand. I'm like, it was in the basement. Where was your sister? Where were your cousins? And I don't know if she's like intertwining things. So, cause she's four at this point, right? Yeah. She's oh, still yeah, very yeah. young. So yeah. yeah. Yes. So we, we get to bed and I'm just, I, I think I maybe black out too. I, I go to bed. I think I, I, I know I slept. And then on the way I'm like, this is just crazy. There's just no way these people, they're so I was going into the investigators and I remember him. He was like, well, you mentioned her daddy and her uncle. And what do you think of them? And I remember me being like, well, they're the, I mean, I would have said they're the nicest guy. I was even saying that about my husband at the time. Like, well, they're very nice. Now, looking back now, it's like, were they in that, were they wanting to know what I knew or what I was exposed to? I have no idea. I do. Her uncle was a principal in the school, very involved, very well liked. <laughs> very gregarious, outgoing, funny man. But it was his daughter that was in third grade that was masquerade. I, I, I have a, it's still so hard to imagine that, 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 that this is real. And I, of course I told my family and they're, this is mumbo jumbo. She, my daughter's crazy. Um, but I remember on the way. That's what to, they were saying to you? My family. Yes. When I told them like guys and they're like that, that, that's just, no, he, he's the one doing that to her. He is making her so crazy that she's then portraying what he's telling her so that if she says anything, it'll be so crazy because now if this comes out, it'll be your, it'll be clearly that they can make me look like a crazy person. And, um, and I, I, on the way to daycare, I'm, I asked her, um, well, honey. So then I'm like, well, maybe they're right. So let's ask her. I'm going to, maybe she thinks every man is maybe. So I said, what about uh, my brother? And I mentioned his name and my brother-in-law. And I said, what about them? She said, no, mama, those are the good guys. So that was weird. And then we pull up to the daycare provider's house and she was shaking, did not want to leave, did not want to go in the daycare provider's home. I thought it was because I had made her think of that again. I don't, could it be, I don't know. Was the daycare provider's husband involved? I have no idea. All I know is uh, the daycare provider knew that she was, um, that Lauren was very upset and um, and said, I'll help. And so they had come up with a plan that she can bring her and that would help her think because she just wanted her mommy is what she told. And, but I had to work. I didn't, I, I had to, I'm paying these lawyer bills. I'm fighting for the girls. I got to show them stable. I, you know, um, so the daycare provider told me, look, she's okay. She's comfortable. She said, just have her bring this certain doll with her. So the next day I'll be darned. What does her daddy do? What's Michael do? He was not supposed to go to daycare. So Monday through Friday, I had the girls. He went into daycare. This had been three months of this. Imagine sending your child to a daycare and a man whose daughter has accused him of sexual abusing walks into the daycare during the middle of the day with all these children, goes up to this little girl. I, how did he know to do that? I don't understand. I can't, 
but he went up to her and whatever he said, I don't know, but the daycare providers is texting me and I'm at work and I'm getting this text. So we call the cops were called. Nothing happens. Not a thing. He was still there when the cops got there. He had left. He had left. He had said, who knows what he said to my daughter, but enough to know that he can get to her anytime he wants. He walked right into daycare. And so the cops were called. I had to go over there, but because the daycare provider didn't call or didn't yell supposedly in front of all the kids, get out of my house. There's nothing that you could do. Was that in any of the court documents? No. The court documents, of course, a GAL is a guardian ad litem is brought in. Oh my goodness. This lady is the devil. I, she, and I am saying that like, and I, I don't know if I'm, but she does not like me from day one. And she's been a major part of it within the courts on a proponent for Michael. And remember that cousin that I mentioned, they reach out to me and they apologize, but they say, we cannot come forward. We can't ruin our family. We are so sorry. We know you're a good person. And she had told me because we were out on a walk and our paths crossed and she gave me a hug, said that this GAL, that everybody in the courthouse knows that she's a alleged paramour of the prosecutor of my uh, Michael's attorney. Um, and they wow. specifically picked her out on purpose, as well as that we brought in a visiting judge. After we were moved over, um, Lauren disclosed that story. Then she went to therapy and disclosed it to therapy in therapy even more so than what she told me. We filed a child protective order. It was right after Easter. Then on that day, I was in court. I had bought, I bought some books now. Um, a lady, Mary Lee McLean had written a book, Prosecuted But Not Silenced. And there's another book um, by Jon Snow, um, The Worst Interest of the Child Children. And I was reading that. And here I'm literally reading that mothers will be in court thinking it's not going to be me because I'm not crazy and I'm not like them. They must have done something wrong. I'm literally reading that in the book in the because I'm trying to learn everything I can to fight for my kids. I'm reading this book in court. And I hear the attorney go, these kids need to be taken from her. And I text my family because nobody thought that it could happen. And I text them, they're taking my kids. And they're like, no, they can't do that. That's not going to happen. Wednesday, um, well, court's on, court's been canceled. The child protective court was not, never happened because the same child psychologist that was sick went on vacation the next child protective order. I don't know if she was scared. I don't, I have no idea. So we're moved over to juvenile court. They were to tell my attorney if we had court and they never did. So my attorney said, we don't have court. They were going to call me and let me know. Well, I had taken my child after Easter. They were swollen. I'd take them to the doctors too in between all this and tried the doctor. People said, well, take your child to the doctor, have them disclose the doctor. The doctor would not hear. They said, no, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be questioning your child. That's not my role. So go talk to this doctor that does. We went up and I had to know, like, I remember calling my sister. Well, are they red enough? Are they, or my sister was there, literally there. And she, but she had, I don't want to take them if it's not going to be enough, but is this, I mean, they're screaming in pain. They're literally red and swollen. I mean, she disclosed to the same nurse and I begged the same nurse was very helpful. We're going to get you help. Somebody will be here tonight. They'll talk to you. And I said, but, but and she's like, we're going to report it to the police and the sheriff's office. And I said, please, I'm begging you. The city, the city was an hour away where the same nurse was. And I begged her not to call the town where we were at. She said, that's what you do. I'm telling you, it'll be fine. She was gone for like two hours. And when she came back, she was no longer 
where's my help? No longer helpful. She's now scornful to me. Um, let's do this. And just no more. And I knew I said to my mom, something's wrong. Um, so I, I, who knows what the police or what they told her. I mean, clearly that I'm some crazy mom. She did take a quick, like, like look, and then, nope. And I said, walking out, getting ushered out. I said, well, did you, is anything wrong? She said, oh, you're just not wiping right. So that was their defense is I am not wiping right. Um, and I didn't keep teaching my kids to wipe right. And that's what caused all the UTIs. And so April 15th, I was in court all alone. My attorney wasn't even there because he didn't, he told the court that he can't be there because he has a trial. They went ahead and held it anyways, but because he could be present by the phone, he's going like, he was driving from two and a half hours away to try and get to me in the afternoon, pulled over in a Walmart parking lot by phone and the, the jail is behind me, the prosecutor and my, um, he's still my husband at this time, are to my left and the county attorney who's child protective services attorney, all are taking my kids. Oh, I turned around and I watched, yeah, I watched that GAL. I wanted, if you're going to take my kids and you don't even know me, I just, I just met her that night or that uh, walking into the court, you're going to take my kids. I want to watch, listen to you. And she told me, yeah, turn around, turn around in the middle of court. And so then at the end of court, I stood up and I just, I, I did nothing. I just watched her and she's like, she's harassing me. So she wrote in her report that I harassed her. All I did was watch her while you're telling you're going to take my kids from their mother. And I had to go. That was the last night. I, um, I have a video of the girls. Thank God I have that video. God has been ever present in my life because that was, I, I had to walk and unbuckle all the car seats to my, my family wasn't there. My attorney wasn't there. I've now lost my kids and the clerk of the court is volunteer to take the kids. And who's the clerk of the court? My niece. No. I had to make the decision as a mother you want your children to go to strangers, strangers in this town that who knows what is going on for real? Um, or do you want them to go to their cousin? Well, right. stupid. I, I mean, I, I'd rather my children go to their cousin and be around somebody than put them in a nightmare of being taken from their mommy and given to strangers. So of course, the next few months, she's going to protect her uncle. We're going to go to child forensic examiner. He's going to call me crazy. Uh, he's going to order me to go to therapy in the therapy. I'm to admit that sexual abuse was not likely court happens in December. I just knew, I, I knew God had shown me that this, um, me in the a room with two of my daughters playing ring around the Rosie and London bridges. Right. I don't, and I'll be dang. I have to see my kids in a room fully supervised with people scribbling every word or video recorders taking as people are scribbling every interaction with your children. My aunt was an angel. She sent me all kinds of things. So I did themes for my visits. Um, I did like princess themes, horse themes, uh, fish themes. I, I did a way to get through this. And of course the GAL said I was trying to butter them up. And um, But in December, after going to this forensic examiner who never has had to release my scores has said that I'm crazy. We knew, my attorneys told me, the judge has told us you're not going to win. Um, why did we not do, I felt there was so much we should have done more, but I never brought up the SRA stuff because I was told if you do that, they already don't believe one person. You bring that up, you talk about this SRA, you are losing your kids. You're a crazy person. You'll never see your kids. Right. So this is the first time, Lisa, that I've spoken publicly about this, but 
I know I, when it first happened, I know what my child told me. Right. I didn't learn. I didn't research a lot about SRA, but somehow just recently another mother, Samantha Baldwin went on your show or I don't know if she changed her name or, but she, no. she talked about Samantha it. Yeah. Baldwin. Mm-hmm. So she was on here and I listened to your, uh, and it's, it's like more puzzle piece. It's, it is, I know, I mean, I don't know, but I know, I mean, it's hard because I mean, it's been five years when I went to that hearing and my attorneys, we begged them, we, can we file an appeal? And they said, yes, you can file an appeal. Okay. You're sure. You're sure. If I go up into court and I say that I agree to him to take the kids, I can file an appeal. And they told me, yes. So I'm up in the courtroom and I hear the judge say, you understand you can't find an appeal, right? Wait, my attorney just told me I did. So do I stand up and say, wait, no, I object. I ruined my chance in court because in middle court, I said, yes, I understand. So I can never appeal that. Really? Uh, so but do you this, think, yeah. I, I want to stop right here and point out that in these SRA groups, the reason that it works, the reason that it works for the group, I mean, that they can take kids away from moms like you, like people like me will be in these and there's not anybody you can go to for help. There's nobody there that's going to listen because they're the pharmacists in the town. They're the doctors in the town. They're the police officers in the town. They're the lawyers in the town. They're the judges in the town, the CPS officers, all these people we're all conspiring against your girls and against you. And it takes this interconnected system to get you kicked out the way it did. There's no other way to explain any of this. There's too many pieces that you have. There's too much. Okay, this is a really long interview, but I think it's really important for people to hear. And there's a lot of stuff you even took out too, because we're trying to get through this, but you have to understand these groups are connected. Mm-hmm. These groups work in in this crazy symphony all together, and they can stop this time after time after time. The first time your daughter disclosed to you, those kids should have been taken away from their dad, given to you, put in a protective place where he couldn't have gotten to them no matter what. That would be a just justice system. What happened to you is insane, but it can only be understood if you understand the way that this is a group working together. Yeah, it's it's really hard because people want to say it's just in that little town. It's it's not. The other thing is too, a lot of oh when that at the very beginning when I first had this happen, somebody said to me, "You can't mention this out loud about this child sexual abuse." The word incest it makes people's tummies crawl. We are taught it feels so uncomfortable. The word child sexual abuse, our stomachs crawl, and we want to run as far away from that as we can. And I remember when my mother-in-law would tell me this and I, when she was being abused, I thought, wow, good for her to find her voice and tell me because they are holding it together. They are an amazing family. What then happened to this family who's so amazing that tells the, that, that to the public's mind's eye, they look so together. But when something like this happens, how can they abandon two little girls and then tell me and fail me that they know I am not a vindictive person. I'm not, you're telling me that in any of my relationships with, if any investigation would have been fair and neutral, even I suddenly I was not a crazy person. And because I met one man, 
I turned crazy. What? I don't understand. When somebody said, you can't talk about this. It's shameful. I knew at that time I said, that shame is not mine. The shame is not my daughter's. They did nothing wrong. No, I learned what being silent does. I will not be silent. But now again, I am speaking very publicly now about this and sharing very painful things. Um, and I, it took me a year and a half to share publicly, um, but it's been five years to talk about SRA. And I only started talking about, I've done a lot of praying, but the more that I'm learning, the puzzle pieces just all fit together. The way that they manipulate together, the, the things my daughter said. And I can't say that I'm not scared for my children, but I know God is there. My children show me God is there. God showed me that he was there. That, that ring around the Rosie and London Bridge is my last session ever because my children would scream and cry when we would have to leave and be apart. So when we were going to, in therapy, they were teaching my children not to cry and I was being reprimanded because I'm allowing my kids, I'm not making it an easier situation for them to leave their mother. When they, they were to ask my daughter, what makes you the happiest? And she said, in therapy, when I play Ring Around the Rosie and London Bridges with my mommy. And that's when I said to God, she had no idea. She'd never even heard me say this story. I said, okay, God, I know you're here. What is it you're asking me to do? And what is it? And he's asking me to have faith in him. I have known from day one, he never left my children. My child said she, he was with her. They show me that he is with them. Is this unbelievable? Yes. Are people finding their voices? Yes. Thank you for Lisa for having me on here. Thank you for anyone for listening to me. I don't know what to do for my kids. I'm still trying. We're in it. We're in the appeals of court of appeals, but honestly, my attorney, I haven't, the last correspondence he's given me was the first week in February and he lost touch with me. Uh, I asked him, have you quit? Um, can you tell me if you quit? And he's not responded once. So what else do I have? Why be afraid of anymore? I mean, How often do you see your kids? Oh yeah. So I had lived in town. Um, my in-home job, um, uh, it folded. So we all lost our jobs and I lived in that tiny little town. I had it. I bought a cute house. It was the most adorable house, but I was only a few blocks from my girls and I could spy them riding their bikes for the first time. I knew that they couldn't see me because that would break their hearts. So, but I knew God was going to show away. And if you would have thought, if you would have told me then that in three months, when my children were first taken it'd take three months and I wouldn't be with my kids, I would have thought no way I couldn't make it. And then after six months, if you would have said, it'll be a year, I would have said, I can't make it, but I always have. And God has always been there. And then if you would have said, you're going to lose your home uh, and have to go to your family, I would have said, no, I'll lose my home and I'll live in my car. I won't leave my children. Can you um, tell me how many hours away your family is from where your daughters are? Uh, yep. So I'm only, like, it, the fastest I've ever gotten there um, has been seven and a half hours. That's what I didn't need to go. To, I took one restroom break, flew, speeding, hit everything perfectly. But generally it's anywhere from eight and a half to 10 hours, depending on traffic and the road. So, um, and you can take different routes and pay, uh, tolls and stuff. And, not, but, um, so I was seeing my kids. It was three times a week. I was seeing them for several hours. There were things like 
and it slowly, slowly got ripped away. It slowly. So then, okay. Then I was seeing him once on weekends. Um, then when I had to move away and I knew they'd be home soon. Um, it was, um, I drove every single week for six months. I drove and I knew they would be coming home because it, they just had to, because this is the truth. And that got, that there was going to be a way. And uh, then my ex, uh, Michael, threatened to have me jailed because I was so far behind. And I was over $16,000 in child support. That's the Okay, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. My so, child support was exorbitant. Fourteen. It was like $1,299 plus my insurance. So they're making you pay Michael to have custody of your kids. Yes. So he's pay. getting paid to satanic ritually abuse your kids. Yeah. $1,200 plus their insurance. And I, that's, I lost my home. I couldn't stay there anymore. I had to financially, I, I couldn't do it. Um, but I made it uh, three years, um, able to do it. And then, um, I knew now, like, so then when he threatened me to go to jail, um, I knew in the state that he was in, if you're over $5,000 in arrears, you can be put in jail. So, okay, I'll hold my head up. I'm not afraid of going to jail. If that's what you're going to do and that's what needs to be done, shame on you. Same thing. If you touch a hair on my children's head further than anything, and especially today, then then God is already going to have his wrath on you. I mean, I so currently um, I was then it went to once a month uh, because I had to find a full-time job. Then I had to find a job so I could pay the child support because they weren't they didn't drop it much at all. So then it went from once a month in the pandemic happened and they stopped me from seeing my kids so they could go to school fully, but the place where you're seeing your children, you can't see your own children, but the kids can go to school. I mean, so, um, it, uh, I saw them in August and it went all the way from August until the week before Easter. I saw them for two hours. I, I still see them fully supervised inside a building with people ferociously scribbling every word and every interaction. So now I'm still getting back to trying to get back to once a month. As a survivor, somebody who's been through what your girls are going through, you know, there, there's a couple thoughts. The first one is, well done, Jennifer. You're fighting for them. You know, you coming on here today is so brave and you being willing to call out SRA and to let people know what's going on because I know there's other moms going through exactly what you're going through even here in the United States and around the world, Samantha Baldwin's in England, it's happening because these groups are not just in your small town. They're, they're everywhere. You know, it happened to me in a completely different state than you were in. We, we want to think, okay, oh, that's just some small little town somewhere. Is this happening in every town? This is happening to a lot of kids. We need to get these kids out. And the only way to do it is by exposing it. The only way we can expose it is to tell their stories. Tell what your kids are saying. Let people know. And, you know, you tried to do everything the way the courts were telling you to do it. You were trying to stay silent. And how many years has it been now? It was 2016 when they first disclosed. So it's been over five years. It was January, right? We're now at the end of May. So the the next thing. As a survivor, I had nobody, and your, your girls have you, and that puts them ahead. Number one, you're praying for them, 
you know, for your daughter to tell you, mommy, it's okay. God takes me to heaven when, you know, when she's getting hurt in these rituals, God has a way of protecting the kids dissociation. You know, there's a lot of tools that God uses to get the kids through. But we're, I am praying specifically for God to be able to get the cases to reverse, to get those girls back in your arms. And when they are, you will be there to help them heal because you understand SRA and you're learning about it and they're going to need you and you're going to be there ready for them. I just really applaud you for what you're doing. I just, I can't imagine what you're going through. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma now. I can't imagine, but you're, you're walking through this, you're getting through this and now you're speaking out and, you know, God help our society. We're in big trouble when we can't even begin to protect our kids. Yeah. And I, I do feel this, like I said a few times, this is so painful. And some of those words internal, but we've got to be okay with saying those words out loud. Uh, sexual abuse, children, child sexual abuse, because if we do not, we cannot face them. If we do not say satanic ritual abuse, that is something, oh, we can say it doesn't really exist. But until we are able to say that, but these things are very dark. You have already figured out a way to connect with God. So if somebody stumbles across this, listens to our story and is in a dark spot right now and like, oh my gosh, we've got so much darkness in the world. More important than that darkness and those people that are evil and removing children from their mothers who are simply trying to protect them. We are more powerful than they when we can still love and find goodness. The most important thing is not of the darkness that we share is more of the, the love that we can find in our hearts to submit that love to overpower the evil that's in this world. We are more powerful than they are. Jesus is, God is, we can still look at a tree and find beauty. Don't let this, things like these can be triggering, but we still have the power to find beauty more. And that is what overcomes that darkness too. So you're seeing to the point where your daughters are going to come out. I mean, it sounds to me like you're still hopeful. Yes. I do know that somehow, I don't know when it will be. I pray all the time. I know that God is here. I know that because it's the truth. I, I know that every word I've spoken has been a hundred percent the truth. And when I see my children, they show me that God is so great. Um, and if I've fallen on my knees and thought, especially this has been challenging kind of opening up into the SRA world and especially if somebody's there with me and just kind of learning it it is you will have dark times but reaching out to your supports of people that can connect you into god and what and light and, and and is definitely something i would highly suggest everybody do well because this when you get into satanic ritual abuse you're getting to the main epic battle between god and satan going back to the garden of eden and, and the thing I like to constantly remind us is God set things up in the Garden of Eden where we were perfectly safe and none of this existed. And that was God's plan for our life. And it was when the devil slithered in at that snake and Adam and Eve sinned and they, 
that open the door to all the sin and all the evil that the devil's thrown against us and thrown against us and thrown against us. But when we call on the name of Jesus, we are saved. The moment that sin entered the world, God already had a plan for Jesus to come to die on the cross. And that's the power that the devil is coming against all the time in these rituals. He's mocking Jesus dying on the cross every single time because he knows how powerful that is. And your girls know God and they're, they know that he's there with them. And you do. And everybody listening, pray for Jennifer, her daughters, Lauren and Chloe. Pray for a reversal. Pray for the right lawyers. Pray for money that she needs to be able to pay the child support and all this to be changed. But also society needs to start listening. Mm -hmm. Society has to listen. There's too many of you out there. And that's why it's so brave for you to do this, to reach those other moms who are trying to do things the court's way and trying not to talk about SRA because they don't want anybody calling them crazy. Right. And, you know, and when I wasn't speaking, there was still, they were still coming up with all kinds of excuses why I shouldn't see my children. And, 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 each their own journey. I mean, but I'll be darned if I think maybe that's why God chose my, I mean, my children broke the cycle. You broke a cycle. God, like you've mentioned in other podcasts, it, he is there with them. He is not the hand of the one doing the, the, the deeds. He allows us that free will so that we can choose. So we can be human. And that, that that's one of the greatest gifts he gave us. Um, but if we would take away free will, then what do we have? So that he, he doesn't want us to be robots. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. we don't want to be robots. So it is very scary speaking now. And if I prayed and prayed and prayed for what is the right thing for me to do just here recently, a family, somebody said, well, don't speak out about that. You know, they might call you crazy, but truth is truth. Again, if we are afraid to be who we are and afraid of the truth, then what are, what good is all of it? I mean, I, what is every second that my children have had to go through this? You know, um, I don't exactly know what the story, where the story goes from tomorrow, but I know that God is here. I know God is with my children and I know um, the truth will come out one day. And I know I've prayed for the salvation of, God, please turn their hearts. I still pray that. They have to pray that. I think my ex-husband was certainly exposed to, or Michael's exposed to his grandfather without a doubt. They, what level he had told me, I'll never tell a counselor or anybody what happened to him. He was a little boy and I don't know what happened if his heart, like maybe he, it turned black and he wasn't a, like, it's like it, it's a Grinch's heart. It, there wasn't, it like all went to, darkness and he chose an adult I've 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 gotten to a place where I can forgive him which is a lot a lot of people don't understand I forgive him for my children and for me and for that little boy that didn't have the mom that intervened or who knows what happened with his mom but he as an adult chose to I think he fought it because there were times where he'd be like no it's me I gotta there's something I'm gonna fix and for two days he'd be happier and he'd be involved. And it was like, he ran a cycle and he, I told my sisters, like he went on a marathon and he can't sustain it for long. So pray that, yeah, that we get whoever feels called for from God to tell them to start speaking the truth 
so that people can open their eyes and not be too afraid to look at that truth with the people that know it because we need the people to stand up. We need the people to not be afraid of this and to believe to stop. I think too, we're probably going to have some people listening that are in these groups and they know what they're doing is absolutely wrong. And I'm calling for you to be brave and to come forward with lists of names, get it to the right people, get it to somebody who can take this group down. We need, yeah. we need them to go. Yes. They and have know, to go. What I've learned from Lisa and that even what, that you're threatened from a very early age, those children to, you're guilty, you're guilty. If you tell, you'll be taken from, let's show them who the more powerful people are. Let's show them they're wrong. I know that I don't want to be naive to not think of the things that they have done are atrocious and horrible and vile and scary. We have the light. We are shining it on them now. So now is more the time than ever to not be afraid and to speak the truth. Uh, just the other day, I, so I, I talked to my girls on Zoom every, so I do get to Zoom meeting with them every Sunday. And my nine-year-old I'm so proud of both of them. I, I, I haven't mentioned Chloe much and she's such a, she's so an amazing gift. Those two little girls have each other and their gifts to heaven. But this, the, Lauren said, I'm going to be president. And the little ones, yeah, she is mommy. Yeah, she's going to be president. And what's she going to do? She's going to put trash cans everywhere so we can up, pick up our trash. But a nine-year-old stated she wants to, as president, she's going to make sure security cameras can be everywhere. Oh, Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. God has a plan for your daughters and SRA doesn't wipe out the plan that God has for their life. They're going to walk into the destiny that God has given them. And they're, <laughs> they've got such a brave mom. Jennifer, you are so brave. You are so heroic. I am so blessed to know you and to be able to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you. What would you like to say to society? I would like to say, please take the time to walk through the pain. Take the time to open yourself up, find your grounding, find your peace, because it's heavy, it's heavy stuff. However, we can't make changes if you're not willing to listen. We've got to start holding accountability for, there should, we, we've got children, asking for little kids. Kids are learning now in school to speak, speak, speak. So let's darn well, we're going to have those kids speaking, whether it's a kid that's getting abused by SRA, any ritual abuse, any child sexual abuse, we better darn well make sure judges are held accountable and our systems are held accountable that those children will be protected and that there'll be no retributions and a little child won't have to fear that their mommy or whomever will be taken from them if they tell. So society, we need your voices to say enough. The judges cannot get away with, and this is the problem. If you start researching this, where, come on investigators, come on, join. We need you to, we need this to get even louder. Don't be afraid to take the time and investigate. People, people say, oh, it's too hard. They don't wanna hear it. They are, people are listening. And for each one of you that listens and shares this and believes us, Thank you, because we need a lot of people to shed light on this. If you're listening to this, send this to people you know. 
this will help Jennifer, this will help her children, this will help all the other moms and the other children because we have to expose it. And this is the only way we have. The courts have taken over this and not given us a voice. So this is our way to do it. And I really, really am looking for a reversal to this, Jennifer. Again, I'm, I, I'm falling over myself because of the bravery that you have and your girls to disclose it to you at such a young age is so amazing. And I know that that's getting them through and it's going to get them to the other side. And someday I'm going to vote for Lauren for president and I'm going to be so proud to do that. Right. So thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Thank you and, and God bless. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Mm -hmm.